Kappa. Is the FTC really going to target your YouTube channel? With comments from Futuristic Hub. Hello and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And this week we've gone over a lot of materials in respect of YouTube and COPPA. We've talked about whether the Federal Trade Commission has a good claim under the language of the COPPA Act itself or the rule that they've promulgated under that act. We've talked about YouTube and whether or not they've actually done all that they could in order to give you the defense mechanisms that might otherwise prevent a content creator from having additional liability exposure to the Federal Trade Commission. We've talked about that. We've talked about other things, all tangentially related to the space. But what we haven't really talked about at length is whether or not the Federal Trade Commission is likely to come after you personally. And over the past week, as the channel has grown pretty much exponentially, and thank you to all my new subscribers and all my new listeners uh, and viewers of this series. We love virtual legality. We're very happy that you found it fruitful and educational as well. But over this past week, I've got contacted by a lot of folks, a lot of folks who would prefer to remain anonymous, and at least one prominent uh, YouTube channel that doesn't care about anonymity, which I've brought up and which we're going to talk about here. And in these emails, in these contact points, one of the things that has come across from a number of different vectors is that a lot of these people with M's next to their subscriber name, 2 million, 3 million, 5 million viewers are not as worried as some of the other people. That most of the worry, they would argue, is coming from people with very small channels that don't have this direct communication pipeline with YouTube. And I think certainly having that communication, having YouTube actually have a person assigned to you or that is responsive to your calls or emails is very helpful when you're dealing with ambiguity. So it's no surprise that some of these folks are getting a little bit better information than a lot of the people on the ground. But ultimately, they're not as worried as others. And I think it's interesting to kind of dive into why I was given permission to talk to you about a specific communication that comes from a very prominent YouTuber whose channel I wasn't familiar with called Futuristic Hub. And you could see here I've pulled up their channel. It's 2.23 million subscribers. You could see here I've got paused the video that is their current trailer that has a uh, Minecraft player depiction in animated form. You can see from their overall banner bar, they've got pictures of Mario and Sonic and Angry Birds and SpongeBob. And this particular channel is very popular. They do animations uh, in the Minecraft space, in other video game space, other types of things. And they've put in their about page, actually, that they're rated E for everyone. This is not a kid-only channel. FTC disclaimer, unless my content is teaching 123s and ABCs, I will not call it kids' content. This is a channel for everyone. I will define at my discretion. Which, you know, hey, is Futuristic Hub's prerogative? I don't think the FTC has to take that on face. I don't think that actually does anything in respect of preventing them from making an example out of a channel like Futuristic Hub. Were they too deign to do so? But I do think what Futuristic Hub has told me, what we are looking at in their actual amended complaint, the complaint that went forward with YouTube shortly before they actually entered into a stipulated order, that is what we're all dealing with now. I do think that the first strike, if the Federal Trade Commission is going to make one, is against channels that are much more closely aligned with what we would think of as kids' channels. Basically things that you would see on Disney Junior or things that you would see in a toy aisle. And I certainly think it's generally going to be aimed at things with millions of views, potentially billions of views and very, very high numbers. So I don't disagree with that. I do disagree, at least in part from a legal perspective, 
about whether or not people should be making hay about this. Because one thing I will say is, regardless of who the FTC is aimed at, and we're going to cover the rule at the very end of this video again, just to kind of highlight this point. But regardless of who the FTC is aimed at, they have claimed for themselves this very broad, very vague authority. And if you get on their bad side, they could use it against you. And that's one of the problems that I have with the COPPA rule, with the COPPA Act as it stands right now is, yes, they promise to use it only for good, which is basically what this video is going to be about. But even if you say, hey, yes, that is a good use of that power, that power still extends for things that I don't think everybody would find as good. But let's look at what Futuristic Hub sent over because I do think it's interesting. I do think it's worth going into. And then we're going to also look at the FTC statement from Friday and their amended complaint to talk about the actual channels that they name in that complaint. So here is a copy of the letter that was sent to me. I have received email from the FTC regarding the matter, and I will be speaking to Commissioner Wilson on December 9th. I also gave them some examples of kid-directed content. I will direct you to an article below that mentions what the FTC was after. I know about all of this because some people across the sea that I know asked me to animate for them and to open several kids' channels to make profits off. I declined this request as I saw it as deceptive and cringe. My animations are focused on something for everyone. He then brings uh, to my attention a link, and I say he here, this is all anonymous. This is through Futuristic Hub's actual company name, uh, but I, I just use he or they uh, in respect of this company because we don't have any greater detail as to who actually runs this thing. But they sent over this article link that says, CNBC, FTC officials defend its $170 million settlement. Article explains where the kids only line is drawn. Here is the quote. This latest violation is extremely serious. The company baited children using nursery rhymes, cartoons, and other kid-directed content on curated YouTube channels to feed its massively profitable behavioral advertising business. So there's a couple of things in that line. But I want to start out with the actual headline here because it's something that I haven't talked about in virtual legality before. And it says, FTC official defends $170 million settlement. If you didn't follow this, and if you didn't listen to all the questions at the press conference, and if you didn't read some of the articles that were actually put out there about this settlement, there were a lot of complaints directed at the FTC that this was too small, that Google and YouTube don't care about $170 million because they make so, so much money, and that this was an egregious kind of deliberate violation, that they knew they were collecting this passive information. They knew there were child-directed channels on their site. They should have been able to read the COPPA rule and know that they were in violation, that $170 million was just not big enough. And I think in that context, it's worth noting that when you see those press conference releases, when you see the video of them talking about shooting fish in a barrel and all these other things that get creators upset and animated, part of that story is that the FTC knew that certain groups, certain sides of this equation were going to come down strongly against them for being too weak against YouTube. And so they wanted to rattle that saber. They wanted to beat their chest. They wanted to present this one as a significant win against YouTube and two, that they are reserving the right to make trouble, to make money, to prevent this from happening in the future by reserving that right against YouTube content creators. So this is essentially the, the story of a company or an agency that doesn't want to look weak. And so they rattle that saber. And I think that's part of this entire narrative. But then we actually look at what this line says. And I don't think you can hold the FTC to anything they say, either in their press conference or in interviews or anything like that. But they do kind of highlight some of their thought process. 
The company, which is YouTube in this sentence, baited children using nursery rhymes, cartoons, and other kid-directed content on curated YouTube channels. Part of the story we are going to see is YouTube Kids. Now, YouTube Kids exists so they could get out of COPPA in various ways and that they could do things with that platform that maybe they couldn't do on YouTube.com proper. But the fact that it exists provided evidence to the Federal Trade Commission and the FTC that if a video, if a channel appeared on that platform, they essentially had a rebuttable presumption that that was kids-facing content. So one of the things I would say, we're going to go into all of this in the video, but one of the things I would say is if your stuff appeared on YouTube Kids, you've got potentially a bigger problem than others because one of the pieces of evidence that the FTC was using against YouTube was, did this video appear on your YouTube Kids platform? But they also said out of that curation, it was used to feed their massively profitable behavioral advertising business. And that's how they would try to get at content creators. We've talked about that in previous videos. Please do check out the YouTube at large playlist for all the previous videos on the COPPA topic, as well as some discussion of their terms and conditions being changed in December. But basically they come at the content creators as hitting or not hitting the button that allows interest-based ads, you know, four nested options deep into their advanced advertising settings. And if you allowed interest-based ads that you are somehow responsible for what YouTube was doing collecting data, I have problems with that theory, obviously, but that's how they try to get at these content creators. Futuristic Hub then continues with, the key here is nursery rhymes and cartoons. Allow me to walk you into the world of kids only on YouTube and why it doesn't mean the end of traditional professional creators and animators on the platform. They then give a number of links here, and we're going to go over only a couple of them, but this is what Futuristic Hub thinks they are aimed at. Presumably, this is where the FTC directed them to be concerned with. We've got here a channel here called Baby Show TV, Learn Colors with Surprise Soccer Balls. It's got 320 million views, a very significant kind of operation that undoubtedly collected a significant amount of money from those behavioral advertisements. Uh, Futuristic Hub's links also included a number of links to things like... Uh, Old McDonald songs with eggs being filled with colors and things of that nature that had a billion views. And he says, I think rightly so, that this is one of those areas that the Federal Trade Commission is specifically interested in. One of the other things we talked about when we read the FTC statement on Friday was in respect of those channels that actually self-identify as aimed at kids in their about page or potentially in their videos or elsewhere, maybe the description of those videos. But we've got here a site called Super Jojo that says, we encourage kids aged one to three to learn through play by providing enjoyable nursery rhymes and kids songs with beautiful 3D animation. The FTC was pretty clear about this on Friday when they weren't very clear about much else that if you've got something that actually says we are aimed at 12 and under or some demographic therein, we are going to reserve the right to come after you for that because essentially you self-identified. We don't need any additional information. Kids one to three, okay, we got you. You better be clicking the button that says you are for kids or else we are going to get you in trouble. Now that's the FTC's position. You could argue the point about general audiences. I do think if you've got these kinds of Four kids animations. It looks like it should be on Disney Junior. You've got an about facing page that says one to three. Yeah, this is the easy stuff. This is when they talk about shooting fish in a barrel. That idiom, which I saw a lot of people complain about it being violent. It's an idiom. So don't 
Don't bring bad arguments with your good arguments because that tends to weaken your whole argument. It's an idiom. It's not a statement of violence. What it is a statement is we've got some easy targets to hit that YouTube bundles all these up for us. We've got about pages to go look through. We've got some easy stuff to go catch if we want to catch it. And that's what shooting fish in a barrel means. And something like this, a Super JoJo that actually puts this here, if they weren't to click that button that YouTube has now offered them, that's where the FTC would say, okay, well, you've self-identified. This is like shooting fish in a barrel. Similarly, Futuristic Hub also brings up a site which actually has, I think, a number of sister sites called Blippi, which is about this gentleman in bright colored suspenders walking around, talking to kids, playing with kids uh, and their video games or their toys. And this does, again, look like something that would have potentially been on Nickelodeon. Obviously, they've got a lot of subscribers, 6.44 million here. I think there's another 4 million in a specific toys channel. And so, yes, this is something that you can clearly identify as aimed at that demographic, aimed at being on Disney Kids, being on Disney Junior, something along those lines. And this is what Futuristic Hub believes the FTC is primarily aimed at. And I don't really think that they are wrong on that. I just think that it's still worth considering, it's still worth going over all of this in these videos, in this series in virtual legality because of the power that the FTC has reserved for itself. Futures of Cub then continues, as you can see, once you watch one of these videos, YouTube has more channels and videos recommended and suggested on the right side, and you can find thousands and thousands. That's what the FTC meant in their quote by curating this information, curating this content, and then having it feed its own behavioral advertising. That if you click on one, it can suggest videos to you for eight hours or 80 hours that just keeps that ball rolling based on this behavioral advertising. Now, I'm not sure they couldn't do it just with contextual advertising and with that button turned off. I think one of the interesting questions in this whole thing is, if enough people that have enough viewers click that button and go to contextual advertising, I, I firmly believe, as a guy with a lot of technological clients in my book of business and that has dealt with software and software as a service companies, that there are methods, there are ways that they can continue to try to grow their brand, try to grow their revenue streams, even with that specific blocker. But it is going to be an instantaneous hurt at the very start. And it is certainly hurting them, I think, even more than YouTube anticipated with the amount of panic and frustration that all of their content creators are experiencing because of how vague the FTC COPPA rule actually is. Futuristic Hub continues, also, I have seen comment sections of all kids-only videos being disabled, and the amount of adults who wanted to start the same type of channels was staggering. A true get-rich-quick scheme is exactly what the FTC is trying to shut down. Now, I will say the FTC isn't as concerned with whether or not you can get rich quick on YouTube. Certainly, if you just had a really, really popular uh, planting channel that just grew up because you were such a fantastic personality, the FTC doesn't care. And the FTC's authority here is limited to data collection. So yes, they went around the horn and they're coming at these content creators for the data that YouTube is collecting. But I don't think they're actually focused on just trying to hurt YouTube and get rich quick schemes. It's just a matter of what the language of the act allows and what the language of their current rule allows. Futuristic Hub continues with, I am educating the FTC on the difference between kid only and attracting to kids. Because Minecraft, Fortnite, and Roblox are attractive to kids. Absolutely, they are. However, it is also for everyone. I've seen a group of senior citizens playing Minecraft on Twitch and having a blast. Absolutely. 
I play Minecraft both alone and with my kids. I'm currently playing Pokemon both alone and with my kids. And so video gaming in general is going to be a very significant sticking point for the FTC because video games in and of themselves are entirely animated, right? Unless we're talking about 90s full motion video video games, which I love, by the way, we can have another discussion on that if you're interested. But outside of those, we are talking about a fully animated medium that undoubtedly at its base is for everyone. Video games is a bigger industry than movies for Pete's sake now. But the FTC, the government in general, is in a place because of the age, because of the type of person that goes and seeks those offices, that they don't necessarily recognize video games as being anything that isn't just for kids. That's why you get these loot box workshops. That's why you get people like Senator Hawley presenting bills about various things in video games, because they assume that anything they do in the video game industry space is quote unquote for the kids. And certainly if you've got Futuristic Hub, and I would assume a lot of other content creators whose livelihoods are based on this, educating the Federal Trade Commission, there's at least a chance that they can get some of that education. I have my doubts because agencies tend to get stuck in whatever kind of viewpoint they started out with, but I think it's nothing but good that people are going out there and saying, hey, there's a difference between general audience and for kids, and we need to make that clear, not only because a lot of people are running around with their heads cut off, but because it's very clear that it would be wrong to attach these rules in this specific way to things like Minecraft and Roblox. I know professional animation that doesn't show learning, but it shows a valid script and storyline using any mainstream character is in fact for everyone, general audiences. Now, I think that is an optimistic reading of what the FTC has said. We're going to see in what they actually alleged in their complaint, but ultimately they were also coming against what I would consider standard mainstream cartoon purveyors in DreamWorks, in Mattel, in Hasbro, everything else. And we're going to look at that. But I think that even if you've got a good script, even if you actually do appeal to adults, we're going to talk about that as well. You don't get out of the FTC's ambit if they want to reach you. And so I do think it's worthwhile to discuss that point. I do think it's worthwhile to make comments to COPPA, to sign petitions, to actually discuss with the FTC about the fact that this is written way too broadly and that the act in 1998 really was intended in the way that Futuristic Hub is writing here. It really was intended as essentially attaching to websites that were directed at kids almost to the exclusion of everybody else, right? If anybody else can find something of value on that channel, in that website, whatever it might be, then ultimately you probably should come out of this entire regime. Because if you have any of that kind of general audience attractiveness, this really wasn't aimed at you. Because remember, what COPPA does is it essentially says, if you're directed to children, we can assume certain things about the people that have visited your website. And if you're not directed to children, that assumption logically really doesn't hold. And the FTC knows that. That's why they actually talk about mixed audience age gates. And if you look at the previous videos in this series or other lawyers on YouTube right now, that age gate question, that mixed audience question is coming to the fore because YouTube really could have done something about that and elected not to. Here's the final paragraph from Futuristic Hub before we dive into the FTC's complaint. Anyhow, I wanted to make this a short email. If you would like to make a video about this, you may use the Futuristic Hub name as the person you are talking to. I don't mind. I am the world's largest Minecraft animation channel of its kind, and my main goal is to ensure that the line crossed is visible and not a gray area. 
That's a fantastic goal, by the way. I don't think a lot of us necessarily argue with COPPA as a principle that, hey, if you're going to go collect data from kids under the age of 13, you have to go get the, per- the parent's permission. I think as a principle, that makes a lot of sense. But aimed at YouTube, it makes even more sense than aimed at content creators that don't have any of these options to quote unquote operate their website. By my given examples, it is very clear the community the FTC was clearly after, and it isn't the same community as the traditional YouTubers like me that are famous. Despite those views being more than myself and other famous YouTubers like PewDiePie, it is not the same community. Therefore, the FTC is well within their power to restrict a massive hidden community that many are not aware of, but you are now, and everyone can be too. So I agree that there is this whole set of videos on YouTube that you can place a baby in front of or a toddler in front of, and that the FTC is most likely concerned with those first and foremost. But I don't think it needs to be limited to that. And again, if there is a political ox to be gored, I think the FTC can use its power, can use its authority as it's claiming right now to go and go after somebody that it just doesn't like. You think about all the controversies on YouTube and you think about how they could be framed as directed at children primarily because children watch them. We talked about it on Friday, but the statement the FTC made is, hey, if we can collect outside evidence that you've been reviewed by a kid's review site, or if we can show that kids are watching your channels at a pretty high clip, then we can come after you regardless of what you made or who you intended it to be directed to, that it's worth having this conversation, even if Futuristic Hub is being told entirely accurate information by the FTC. So I think this is very good. This is useful to have these conversations with people that have these millions and millions of subscribers that have this direct conduit to actually discuss these things with YouTube and to discuss these things with the Federal Trade Commission. But at the end of the day, I am still concerned about the power that they reserve for themselves. Now, moving on to what the FTC has actually said in public on this matter, I wanted to bring up the statement we reviewed on Friday, which says essentially, hey, we've got all this stuff. You're probably fine if you talk about finances. You may be in trouble if you talk about children's pastimes. Some animation will appeal to everyone. Yeah, that's guidance, isn't it? And then they get to the paragraph that says, hey, some people say their stuff is for children under 13. And if you're interested in our analysis as to what channel content creators we're talking about, read pages 10 to 14 of the YouTube complaint. Now, I said on Friday in my video then that they didn't actually give analysis so much. They basically described these channels. And one of the things I would say before we dive too deep into their quote unquote analysis in this document is that we have to remember the context that it was built in. So we're going to see certain pieces of evidence that are primarily focused on what YouTube knew, because this wasn't a complaint about these channels that they are about to describe. This was a complaint against YouTube. So ultimately, the purpose of this document is to establish that through whatever internal mechanisms YouTube had, or whatever communications they had with these content creators, that at the end of the day, YouTube knew that there was content being created on their website that was directed at kids. And therefore, this complaint by the FTC was valid. Because again, if you have a general content platform, the current COPPA rule as of 2013 requires that general content platform to have actual knowledge of a channel, a portion of its website that is aimed and directed at kids. And so the entire purpose of this document was to establish that YouTube had that knowledge. There are certain pieces of evidence here that I think don't necessarily read as being 
dispositive against the channel and the content creators themselves, but are more useful against YouTube and their knowledge situation. So let's talk about the first group because this is the big brands. Toy brand Mattel has several popular YouTube channels, including Barbie, Monster High, Hot Wheels, and Thomas and Friends. Content from each of these channels regularly appears on YouTube Kids. Keep that in mind because that's going to come up in virtually every reference and has been featured on its home canvas, which is the landing page for YouTube Kids. They call it a canvas. These channels each show videos related to popular children's toys. For example, the Barbie YouTube channel has animated videos with Barbie and her friends, including, for example, Meet the Junior Rainbow Princesses. The channel also includes episodes of Barbie Dreamtopia, a show the channel owner describes as targeting three to six-year-olds. The keywords the channel owner set that help viewers find the Barbie channel on YouTube include Barbie Doll and Malibu Dreamhouse. According to Mattel, the target demographic for Monster High is girls ages six to 10. Defendants, that's YouTube, gave the Thomas and Friends channel a rating of Y. Now, they talk about it earlier in the complaint, but essentially what YouTube has is an internal system that helps rate the channels to help feed to its algorithm to know exactly what should link to who. And Y was different than G. G was for general audiences and Y was aimed at children zero to seven. So one of the things you'll see pop up here is that internally, YouTube said that this was aimed at children zero to seven. Now, from afar, as a lawyer, I look at this and say, well, whatever YouTube does internally is might, might be informational, but it's not dispositive of what I was actually trying to build. So if this were to be a suit against Mattel, yes, you can get them in trouble for actually saying targeting three to six-year-olds in their channel description, but insofar as what YouTube labeled them as, I don't think that's something that should be used as complete evidence against the channel owners. And we're going to see that pop up in a couple of places because the FTC is actually going to drag in a few channels that are aimed at a general audience as are specifically claimed that way on their page and elsewhere. They then go on with other bigger brands. Cartoon Network is a popular YouTube channel that shows animated kids television shows, including Steven Universe, The Powerpuff Girls, and Teen Titans Go. The channel's content regularly appears on YouTube's kids and has been featured on its home canvas. Defendants selected a clip from the Cartoon Network YouTube channel in a Creating for Kids playbook as a resource for other channels looking to make family-friendly content. In one part marketing presentation, defendants refer to the channel as a popular YouTube channel kids are watching. Now, this is one of those areas where I say, okay, so Futuristic Hub, you talk about things with scripts, you talk about cartoons that should be outside of this directed at kids. I look at Cartoon Network and say, okay, Steven Universe, I know is pretty popular amongst college age kids. I see it referenced on things like AV Club has reviews in very popular kind of adult facing media. The Powerpuff Girls is is older, uh, but it has a similar kind of presence. And Teen Titans Go in its name itself is 13 and up, right? If they're teens, they're 13 and up. So it seems difficult for me to imagine that Cartoon Network could be characterized as specifically directed at kids. So we start talking about this issue, we start talking about the FTC, and it's useful for the FTC to bring in something like Cartoon Network because they are going to be making a lot of money on YouTube. And again, they use the fact that what YouTube did was dispositive. They put it in a Creating for Kids playbook, but it's described even then as looking to make family-friendly content. So you see, as we try to go through this and that we're trying to assuage your fears if we're the Federal Trade Commission, you look at something like Cartoon Network and say, well, that's not a, that's not a really good scenario. That's not a really good description of something that is directed solely at kids. We then get to Hasbro, right? 
Hasbro's popular YouTube channel shows episodes of many animated kids programs, including My Little Pony, Littlest Pet Shop, Hanazuki, and Play-Doh Town. The channel's content regularly appears on YouTube Kids, again, YouTube Kids, and has been featured on its home canvas. According to the channel owner, the target demographic for My Little Pony is children ages 5 to 8, and the Hanazuki show is aimed at children ages 8 to 10. So let's talk about My Little Pony for a second, because one of the things we talked about in respect to the Federal Trade Commission's statement was, hey, even if you didn't direct it at kids, even if we don't have all this other outward indicia that it is directed at kids, if for some reason kids just absolutely glom onto it, that a big portion of your audience turns out to be kids, we can claim that regardless of your intent, it turned out that what you created was directed at children. Okay, I think that's overbroad. I think that's overbroad for the act, but why don't we get the opposite, right? With something like My Little Pony, which says it's aimed at children ages five to eight, I think it's pretty clear for anybody that's on the internet for any length of time that there is a significant portion of the fan base for My Little Pony that is not five to eight, and that is certainly not under the age of 13. And the reasons for that are many. I will tell you, I have watched it with my kids, and I will tell you that the scripts are good, that My Little Pony actually is a very well-thought show with good animation, good plot lines, some potentially good music. And so it's no surprise that a lot of people actually like it that aren't under the age of 13. Why don't we get the opposite? Why don't we get, hey, you might have aimed it at five-year-olds, but you missed. Five-year-olds might like it just fine, but it wasn't actually, at the end of the day, directed at children because everybody actually likes this product that you make. That's one of those areas where you could go and you could say, hey, copper rule, if you're going to have this overbreadth here, let's have it in the opposite direction because it's very clear that Hasbro missed with its declared demographic for My Little Pony. They continue with DreamWorks TV, with Dragons Race to the Edge, Troll Hunters, Shrek. They say the About section of its YouTube channel webpage describes the channel as made just for kids. The channel owner uses keywords like Kung Fu Panda, How to Train Your Dragon, and YouTube Kids. In addition, at least one video appearing on this channel was one of the most popular videos on YouTube Kids during a 90-day period in 2016. Now, this is another area where the Federal Trade Commission is seizing a little bit of ground, right? Because kids, colloquially doesn't necessarily mean 12 and under. If you're aiming something that you're creating and it happens to be for 14-year-olds, I think you would also say, hey, that's made just for kids. I don't think we stop thinking of those people in the world as kids, but COPPA doesn't treat them as kids. So I don't think that you can necessarily use evidence of something that is made just for kids against a content creator, but you can see that the Federal Trade Commission is. But again, most prominently here, it's the fact that this appeared on YouTube Kids. It seems pretty clear that one of the methods the Federal Trade Commission actually went through to kind of come up with this list is they just went on YouTube Kids and they started grabbing things that appeared on that platform, said, hey, those are also appearing on YouTube.com proper. And so we can make this claim that they are clearly for kids. Now, understand that's YouTube's decision for the most part. That's YouTube grabbing that content and putting it over here. So it seems a little bit unfair until you remember that this document is based entirely on what YouTube knew. And so what they are trying to establish is, hey, if YouTube knew to go grab this content and move it over here to this platform, then we can make a claim against YouTube about actual knowledge. So this isn't necessarily a document or a quote unquote analysis that is dispositive about these channel creators. It's one of the reasons that the statement they made on Friday was so kind of unsatisfying and a bit of a sleight of hand in terms of logic because you can't use these descriptions as dispositive of what we're talking about. Then they start to get into what we might consider actual YouTubers outside of 
the corporate brands that are using YouTube to market their products. YouTube channel Masha and the Bear shows animated videos about a girl named Masha and her friend, a bear. So it does what it says on the tin, which is pretty good titling. The channel's content regularly appears on YouTube Kids. There it is. The popular YouTube channel's About section on its webpage says the channel is entertaining and educating both for children and parents, which hopefully you would think, okay, that starts to talk about a general audience. That shouldn't be used as evidence against them. In a presentation provided to defendants, YouTube, the show's creator describes the target audience for Masha and the Bear as children ages three to nine. So here's where they get you, right? Coming around the horn, you talk to YouTube about your channel. You presented to YouTube that your target demographic was ages three to nine. Again, that goes to YouTube's knowledge. It doesn't necessarily put the content creator in a problematic situation. But of course, if they have something in writing that says this, the FTC could use it against them. Defendants then gave the channel a rating of Y, that's for kids zero to seven, in their automated and manual review. And they used the term kids cartoons in their keywords. And they have appeared as a very popular video on YouTube Kids for a 90-day period in 2016. And if we go and we actually look at the banner to this particular channel, we can see what this is talking about. And this does line up with what Futuristic Hub was mentioning. This is an animated program. It's about Masha and a bear. It's teaching kids. The FTC has this language from a presentation made to YouTube. However, there is one piece of information here that says it's for families educating both children and parents that we would hope without all of that other extra stuff, which I agree the Federal Trade Commission can probably use against them, especially if there's a presentation in writing, we would hope that something that describes itself as for children and parents and that is family friendly and that doesn't otherwise look like it would fit alongside the rest of the Disney Junior slate would have some defense against the Federal Trade Commission. In fact, that's what Futuristic Hub posits about having communications with the Federal Trade Commission on these topics. Unfortunately, this is such a mixed message because of the information here and because of the underlying information that they claim they have from the presentation with YouTube that we just can't be sure about how something similar to that might be treated if you didn't have all this damning evidence about things that they presented to YouTube directly. Similarly, you've got a YouTube channel called Bradley Laley, Brad, Bradley Laley, something along those lines, which is a popular channel featuring children engaging in a variety of scenarios with their parents. The channel's content regularly appears on YouTube Kids and is featured on its home canvas. The About section of the YouTube channel webpage states, family-friendly content every day. Yep, that's right. Watch these crazy kids as they make every day an adventure. Episodes of the show include Epic Pillow Fight and Annie's Hair is Purple. In one email, defendant's employee lists this channel as targeting children ages 8 to 10 based on defendant's age classifier tool. This is a new wrinkle because we can't actually associate this determination that the FTC has made with anything that the content creator actually did. The one email here is from defendants. That's YouTube. So internally, they classified it as aimed between ages 8 and 10, but we don't have any of that language in the about page from the content creator. In addition, at least one video appearing on this channel was popular on YouTube Kids. Again, that's the way the FTC found these things. But if we go and we actually look at their page, what we see is we see a lot of kids in their videos. And this is one of those areas in which the FTC has said it reserves the right to potentially claim that these are directed at kids, that you have child actors, you have kids that are on video here doing whatever it is that they are doing. And ultimately, that is how I think that this was attached to them. 
But again, this is one of those that I really think when you name this channel, you've potentially got a more difficult claim to make if you're the FTC, because even with these child actors, they've said in their about page, it's designed to be family friendly. It's designed to be for families in general. You don't have any of the problematic language that you see in the Masha and Bear example. You just have an internal YouTube communication and its appearance on YouTube Kids, all things that YouTube did itself. But the reason it appears here is because, again, the Federal Trade Commission, for purposes of this document, is trying to show that YouTube knew that this was aimed at kids. And at least as far as YouTube was concerned, it was aimed at kids. But I think this channel in particular would have a greater defense if it were to come up again. YouTube channel Cookie Swirl C is a popular children's unboxing channel, which includes videos with titles such as Giant Rainbow Castle, Barbie Princess plus Fairy Tea Party toy video. Unboxing videos feature products, often toys, being removed from boxes and a demonstration of how the products work. The channel's content regularly appears on YouTube Kids and has been featured on its home canvas. In the About section on its YouTube channel webpage, Cookie Swirl C describes itself as a unique toy channel bursting with family-friendly videos inspired by sugary cute toys. Although defendants rated the Cookie Swirl C channel as G, that's for general audiences, internally YouTube labeled this channel for general audiences, they also rated several of the videos appearing on the channel as Y meaning those videos were generally intended for video viewers ages 0 to 7. In addition, at least one video appearing on the channel appeared on YouTube Kids and was popular over a 90-day period. So this is another wrinkle, right? YouTube actually says this channel is for general audiences, but it also apparently said that some of the videos in this overall general audience bucket were aimed at kids 0 to 7. Now, that's a problem for content creators, right? Because a content creator can look at their overall channel. In fact, YouTube gave the right with their little boxes to say, hey, my overall channel is for kids or not for kids. Can look at their overall channel and say, hey, this isn't not, this isn't for kids. It isn't directed at kids is more appropriate parlance for what we're talking about here. But YouTube hasn't done a great job of actually describing what those boxes do. It's not directed at kids. And YouTube internally agreed. But they also said some of the videos, which are web pages, which maybe you're a website operator of that specific page and not your whole channel. This is a very complicated set of facts for the FTC to actually bring a claim against somebody like Cookie Swirl C when you actually have YouTube itself claiming that this was for general audiences. But you can see how this can get down a slippery slope. That you say, okay, are you actually going to come after me for two or three specific videos out of 2,000 when the 2,000 videos overall are for everybody? And if you've got certain things that are for kids, is that really a portion of the website I quote unquote operate? Or is that just specific things that, yes, are attractive to kids, but if you're on this channel, if you're in this ecosystem, you shouldn't consider that as directed to children. It's obviously very, very complicated. And so I don't think that what we see from Futuristic Hub, what we see from the Federal Trade Commission is so easily placed into a bucket where you can just say, hey, if you're for general audiences, then you're going to be okay. But again, this is primarily aimed at YouTube, and that's why they use the internal designations at all. We then have references to Sandaroo Kids with family-friendly parodies and skits for kids who love dressing up in Disney princess costumes. And the only piece of evidence here is that it appeared on YouTube Kids during a 90-day period. Similar for EvanTube HD, a popular channel in which Evan, currently 13 years old, reviews toys and video games, but he started when he was five. In the About section, it says, fun family-friendly YouTube content but it appeared on YouTube Kids during a 90-day period in 2016. Similar with Little Baby Bum, which talks about showing videos of well-known nursery rhymes. 
Video titles on the channel include Bath Song and New Baby Brother and Sister. And the About section says the best nursery rhyme videos for children on YouTube. Now, nursery rhymes are one of those interesting things. This is actually referenced by Futuristic Hub, right? Where nursery rhymes are, in fact, content that probably by itself only exists for kids under the age of 13. Nursery rhymes are not generally thought of as something that is terribly attractive, useful, or interesting to people over a certain age, probably five or so. And so the actual existence and presence of nursery rhyme videos might in and of itself be enough to classify you as kids facing, directed at kids under both YouTube's internal metrics of why and the FTC's metrics of that first paragraph of their COPPA rule. So nursery rhymes are one of those areas that I think are likely to be affixed to by Federal Trade Commission action because it is, again, that shooting fish in a barrel concept that, hey, if you self-identify as serving up kids under the age of 13, or if you self-identify as being primarily for nursery rhymes, you best click that for kids button because you don't really have a great argument that it is not for kids. The next video is Mother Goose Club, talks about hickory dickory and the wheels on the bus go round and round. The next video is Toy Scouter that talks about head, shoulders, knees, and toes, giant Disney Junior surprise ed eggs, and that the about section aims at striving to entertain kids. And that's every video that they actually brought up in their description. So we've gone over every single one. And none of them actually, interestingly enough for this purpose, talk about video games, right? Video games are one of the areas that I've consistently called out as potentially problematic because of their animated nature. The FTC doesn't actually go with those in this particular argument, maybe because they don't appear on YouTube Kids very often. I don't use that product, so I don't know. If you have a better kind of understanding of what appears on YouTube Kids, please leave a comment to this video. I'd love to hear about it. But maybe they don't appear on that application, and so they didn't find it from the FTC, but also that gray area that I complain about that we don't know exactly what video games should fall under is the same gray area that affects the FTC. When you go forward with a complaint like the FTC did against YouTube, you want to hit with your strongest stuff. You don't want to muddy the waters. You don't want to, if it all the way goes through a court process, you don't want to get into a situation where you have to explain yourself. You want to hit everything that is easy to explain. So you say nursery rhymes, judge. You say things that were internally identified as for kids zero to seven, judge. You say things that appeared on their app that was for kids under the age of 13, judge. And you say all of that and you say, that's why our case is so strong. And you don't muddy the waters with all this ambiguous stuff. But unfortunately, at the end of the day, the people that are actually on the ground creating this content have to deal with those ambiguities. So again, we finish this video by talking about what the current COPPA rule actually reserves in terms of power for the commission. You are only in trouble if you are directed at kids, which means that you target children, which shouldn't be that big of an environment on YouTube. But the commission gets to decide what is directed at kids, and it gets to decide it based on these amorphous characteristics, subject matter, visual content, animated characters, child-oriented activities, music, age of models, child celebrities, language, and the all-inclusive other characteristics of the website. So if you have a lot of pink, if you use branding that winds up looking like the kid's aisle in a Target, then maybe the FTC can use that against you, but they don't know what those characteristics are, so good luck trying to comply. And while I think Futuristic Hub and the rest of the people that I have heard to that wanted to remain completely anonymous are correct that the Federal Trade Commission isn't at the outset necessarily concerned with what we might consider obviously general audience entertainments. 
I think even those sites probably at least need to pay attention to this whole fight, need to have those conversations with the commissioner at the FTC that we heard referenced in the Futuristic Hub email, and need to, yes, not necessarily be panicked or running around with their heads cut off, but at least be cognizant of both, one, that the fact that the Federal Trade Commission reserves this right to make your life miserable in the future, and two, that those people that don't have that direct line of communication, that wind up having to deal with all this ambiguity essentially on their own, are within their rights to be frustrated about this, to be concerned about the fact that the Federal Trade Commission won't actually make a statement that doesn't include 65 different references to may, or probably, and that YouTube could have had an age gate like I highlighted in green that says, hey, if you're general audience, we'll put a bit of technology in front of collecting data and then you don't have to worry about liability with the Federal Trade Commission and that they chose not to do that, whether for implementation costs or because if they do that and they do it wrong, that's an exposure risk for them when they could otherwise put the exposure risk on their content creators all of these things are worth discussing. All of these things are worth considering. It doesn't mean everybody needs to panic. I've said that throughout this series. Don't panic. The FTC has a lot of fish to fry before they get to, in all likelihood, whoever is watching this or listening to this in its podcast form. But while you're not panicking, do be concerned, do pay attention, because this is a very big deal. And while they might not come after you first, if they come after other people, they might will come after you next. This has been Virtual Legality for today. If you like this, we have been talking about YouTube and Kappa now for a solid 10 days. I very much appreciate the people that have passed this along, that have shared this with people that might be interested. I'm seeing a lot of subscriber growth, a lot of commentary, a lot of emails, a lot of DMs. I can't tell you how appreciative of that I am. I like to get these messages out there as simplified as I can make them from a legal landscape. And this is some messy, complicated stuff. So if you followed me along so far, I very much appreciate it. Share it around again. Like, subscribe, do all the fun stuff you do on YouTube. Otherwise, if you caught this on YouTube, thank you so much for watching. And if you listen to it in its podcast form, thank you so much for listening. And I will catch you on the next episode of Virtual Legality. Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel.